Hello, and welcome to Pop Culture Hangfire with Christian and Gabriel. The podcast where we visit 1980s year by year and talk about pop culture and learn stuff. The year, 1985. Michael Jordan was named the NBA's Rookie of the Year. At the 57th Academy Awards, Amadeus won an Oscar for Best Picture. Milo's Foreman won Oscar for Best Director. And F. Murray Abraham won an Oscar for Best Actor. King of Pop Michael Jackson bought ATV Music, the Beatles publishing company, for $47.5 million. And Coca-Cola announced that it was changing its century-old secret formula. The new Coke would have a smoother, sweeter taste, similar to Diet Coke, but sweetened with corn syrup. Here's a fun fact, Gabe. 79 days is how long Coke lasted before Coca-Cola announced it would start selling the old Coke again. According to the president of Coca-Cola at the time, we're bringing it back. The original taste of Coca-Cola returns as Coca-Cola Classic... And soon, America will have a real choice. The new taste of Coke or the original taste of Coca-Cola Classic. <laughs> There's those conspiracy theories that this, that was all just a giant marketing stunt to push Coke. And they purposely made hmm. it not, you know, like they weren't trying necessarily. They wanted to. It was just a PR thing. I mean, obviously, it, I would I would tend towards the belief that the more obvious choice is simply that they capitalized on the fact that people got crazy about it and were like, why would we, we'd be stupid not to bring it back. Right. You know, it makes sense. The other fun fact about this, like Michael Jackson buying the Beatles music. The story behind this is that when Michael Jackson and Paul McCartney did that duo together, the Ebony and Ivory, no, no, not Ebony and Ivory. Um, say, I, I forget the name of the song, but, um, Paul McCartney told Michael Jackson that that was his intent and that it was coming up and Michael Jackson went behind his back and like snaked it outbid him by so much that Paul McCartney couldn't match it and snaked uh, it, yeah. yeah and he stole the rights to it and then like in the 90s I think like a decade and a half later like Michael Jackson sold it for a ridiculous amount of money <laughs> oh yeah it was an insane investment like didn't matter he was making his money back like how could you not oh but imagine though 47 million in 1985 that's just crazy yeah. money like yeah. to, to to see that forward and be like no the Beatles are amazing maybe they'll make a comeback maybe and it's not like he ever covered the Beatles either huh like it wasn't like he was pushing his product it was crazy no it's, what a great investment no, no. he was just he was just making a, a very smart investment when he heard <laughs> when, he's like wait when the, the wrong he's like wait a beetle a beetle doesn't own his own music and he wants to buy it back for nine million and I can do 47 million <laughs> I don't know if that's the price, but I, I know he outbid him by so much that Paul oh, McCartney yeah, yeah, yeah. couldn't couldn't compete. Uh, let's talk about births. This name I am going to murder because it's a French actress, but her name is Lea Seydoux. 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 I don't know. That sounds great, too. Now her, I know. The first time I saw her was in Glory and ba- in Glorious Bastards. She's the girl that gets away and eventually. Um, but after that, dude, like I saw her in the Wes Anderson films, the 007 films, Mission Impossible. She's a really great actress. 
started acting in 2006, by the way. So in the last 14 years, she's done really well for herself. Yeah, those are some uh, um, big uh, franchises and big big names to be with. Is it a franchise? For someone who I couldn't have named. Yeah, exactly. 007 is a franchise. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, because uh, I was like, when you said Wes Anderson or Quentin Tarantino, I'm like... Well, Mission Impossible is also a franchise. Also a franchise, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, next up, we have we have Chase Crawford. Now, I only know him as the Deep from The Boys, uh, but apparently he was... He was on a very popular show called Gossip Girl, which I had I have heard of. I just didn't know, and I didn't correlate him with that. He's awesome on The Boys as the deep. Oh yeah, the Aquaman. Yeah, he's of very boys. he's very unlikable. Oh, he is, which is what he's supposed to do. Exactly, like, that's his job. He's unlikable, and he also gets his just desserts every single time too, which is worse because it's like. You dislike him. And you him, feel kind of bad. And then you kind of feel bad, right? That something bad happens. And you're like, I mean, he's a dick, but did he deserve did, that? Did he deserve that much? <laughs> he's a great character, though. But that's the only thing yeah. I know him from. Next up, we got Anna Kendrick. I mean, she's just lovable in everything. I got hip onto her from Pitch Perfect movies, but I know she was in the Twilight movies. The first time I saw her, though, was Scott Pilgrim versus the World, which is a phenomenal movie, and she's great in it. Um, and then the Trolls movies, right, with uh, Justin Timberlake. So among, you know, Up in the Air and a bunch of everything else. She's she's so, so awesome looking, like as far as like a person's personality seems to come off really cool in um, in interviews. Uh, next up, this one you might have heard of, might not have, uh, Nipsey Hussle have heard american rapper yep he was a la local from south la entrepreneur activist the man spoke out about things he was doing things for the community um he had a bunch of mixtapes and then his first studio album released in 2018 he got uh not grammy nominations in the following year but the following year is when he was uh shot and killed right outside of one of his uh locations so he never. Yeah, that was uh, that was the big news. Like that, I mean, I I probably had heard the name before that, but that's what unfortunately. Yeah, he was me. he was just blowing up for both his rapping and for the things he was doing for the community, and then it yeah. just kind of got cut. So it's one of those things where like so much potential, didn't know where it was gonna go, but you knew there was something great happening with him. Yeah. Um, pretty good rapper. That album Victory Lap was uh, pretty good. Who knows what could have uh, been the potential for him. But yeah, Nipsey Hussle, born in uh, 85. Moving on to people who died. I, We have two good ones here. One great one for me and one good one because he was before my time, so I wasn't as involved with him. But in every Hollywood retrospective about the, um, about the golden age of Hollywood, he was always mentioned. Does, and I know you're going to know the name because he was, again, like very well known. Rock Hudson. Definitely heard the name. Exactly. One of the most popular movie stars of, of his time, right? I think he worked for about three decades from the 50s to the 80s to, to right around the time he passed. You know, very good looking man, like great shape, just a heartthrob of that golden age of Hollywood. In the 50s is when he got his start and really became a leading man in like adventure type movies. Like he was like, you know, Tarzan type of actor. Uh, and then he, in the... In the mid 50s he kind of started being seen as more of a an actual lead actor overall 
He was, uh, I think one of his best performances was in the movie Giant alongside James, uh, James Dean before uh, Rebel Without a Cause. He, they were both nominated for the best actor category uh, for the, for the um, Oscars. By the late 60s, his movie, movie I guess movie offers had kind of declined a little bit. And around the 70s, he started going into television. Um, but the one thing that 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 um, stands out about him is that even though he was very discreet about his sexual orientation, it was known among you know Hollywood that he was uh, that he was open like you know he was gay not openly but people knew like nobody questioned that he went through it was an open secret yeah it was an open secret I mean he went through the marriage thing like he went through all of that he tried to get black God, can you imagine he tried to get blackmailed and like his like his his agent. Uh, it's a, it's an interesting story, but like, you know, the, the, the hush hush, you know, like on the QL magazines that would report on that type of thing, approached the manager of it. And he like, he's like, look, if you don't run that story, I'll give you two other actors that you like, you know, like, and he like sank other ones, you know, because Rock Hudson, you you couldn't lose him. Yeah. It, It was that type of world, you know, he was more important. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, but uh, but he did all right for himself. Um, in '84, he was diagnosed with AIDS, and uh, um, the following year, he became one of the first celebrities to disclose his AIDS uh, diagnosis, uh, and one of the first major celebrities to die to, to die from an AIDS-related illness. Uh, he was 59, actually very young. But I remember in all documentaries about the golden age of Hollywood, they always bring up Rock Hudson. He just mm-hmm. was this chiseled, beautiful man. I mean, the, the name, come on. I mean, it's such a great name, right? Yeah, yeah. He had a name for, for fame. He did, he did. Um, but yeah, like, uh, you know, just a, a really great actor, though. The next one is the big one for me, because you know how much I love The Magnificent Seven. Ewell Brenner. Ewell Brenner died in 85. Russian-Swiss actor. Now, when I did the research, I mean, I knew I already liked Yul Brenner. Doing the research, I was like, oh, my God, what a life this man lived. So uh, best known for his portrayal of King Moncourt in the in Rodgers and Hammerstein's musical The King and I. Very um, familiar with that. Saw that growing up a lot. He won two Tony Awards for his performance on Broadway and later an Academy Award for the best actor in the movie where he where he reprised the role, he played that role throughout his entire career 4,600 times. Holy shit. Yeah. He shaved his head for that role in the early 50s, and he just never stopped shaving his head. I always thought it was for another reason, but no, he did it, loved it, kept it going. It was iconic. And you know, and and like, it's really hard to think about bald actors that were that, like, that were lead characters in movies in the the 60s and 70s because you wanted somebody with a pompadour or hair or something, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, like, he owned it and he, you know, he he definitely got it. uh, So consider one of the first Russian American film stars. He actually got his handprints at the Chinese theater in 1956, and he got his Hollywood star uh, on the Walk of Fame in 1960. So, born in 1920 in Russia, moved to China when he was seven. He became an accomplished guitar player and singer. In 1933, he moves to Paris. In 1936, he's a trained trapeze artist, has a terrible accident working at the circus, and has a back injury 
that basically starts his path down narcotics for for uh, pain relief. Mm. And so very soon he be- develops a dependency on the drugs. By 1937, he was on opium and other drugs that led to his addiction. At 17 years old, okay, his family took him to Swiss, uh, Switzerland where he did a year at a clinic for drug addicts and got clean. At 17, he got clean of being drug, of drug use. Uh, 1940, he's 20 years old, moves to the U.S., and basically begins Broadway and begins acting. Basically, that is it. I mean, then, you know, 1960s, the, the, uh, I think the movies that I remember him from the most were Magnificent Seven, Westworld, and Future World. I think those are my favorite three Yule Brenner films. Uh, the King and I, it, it's great, but I'm not, that's not one of the musicals I stand by. Um, he died of, um, inoperable lung cancer, um, he began smoking heavily at 12 years old. <laughs> Fucking legend. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, like that. I think for me, yeah, the King and I, I think everybody knows him from. But I think for me, it was Magnificent Seven and Westworld and Future World. I Magnificent were... Seven. Uh, I'm on my second copy of Owning <laughs> the DVD for. Oh, so does, and I'm talking about the OG one, obviously, with Yule Printer. And uh, yeah uh that's 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 you know again i was first exposed to him i'm sure in the king and i because i've seen that many times as a as a kid but magnificent seven was a was a favorite of mine like enough to want to own it and you have to remember that magnificent seven has steve mcqueen in it and somehow it's an ensemble cast it has not just yule brenner and steve McQueen. i mean it has charles bronson but at the time though you put steve mcqueen and yule brenner i mean I mean, Steve McQueen was the king of cool, yet somehow he is still not as cool as you, Brenner, in that film. My favorite story, well, one of my favorite stories from the production of The Magnificent Seven is that Yul Brenner was not, his, he did not have fast hands. And so there's that scene where he's got a clap, right? Oh, right, right. Where the guy, he tells the guy to clap and he gets his gun in there. Like, cause he's fast. And the guy had to wait. Like the cue was, <laughs> he would wait to clap until Yul Brenner started to move. <laughs> Instead of the other way around, because Yul Brenner, there was no way he was going to make it. So he had to sell it as the, I'm clapping. That's hilarious. Yep. That was a funny story from that. No way. Eli Wallach was in that. That's right. He was a bad guy. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, yeah Charles Bronson, um, James Coburn, I want to say. James Coburn was, was also in it. No, it's a fantastic film. Speaking of films, a big one comes out in 1985, The Goonies. I mean, directed by Richard Donner, starring Sean Astin, Josh Brolin, a very young Josh Brolin. <laughs> very young Josh Brolin. <laughs> Jeff Cohen, Corey Feldman, Carrie Green, Kehu Kwong, Martha Plimpton. Um, Donner, dude, is, a, is actually a very, very interesting man. He will go on to direct a ton of things, right? You know, Lethal Weapon, like, this, this dude becomes a very important human being and in his career, he started, and this is something you're going to appreciate. He started his directing with all those TV shows, the um, Wanted Dead or Alive, Huff Gun Will Travel, The Rifleman. He did episodes for Combat, for The Twilight Zone, The Man from Uncle, Gilligan's Islands, Perry Mason, Get Smart, The Fugitive, The Wild Wild West. He went 
like an episode here, three episodes here. Like he put in the work, dude. And then he got the Goonies. Tenth, oh, yeah. tenth highest grossing film of 1985 uh, with 125 in, million. In a year that that was high I, grossing movies. I mean, we're going to end up having to do an episode just on all the notable films and like honorable mentions. There were so many films for 1985. It's insane. Um. But yeah, no, The Goonies, man, it's such a wonderful, wonderful film. It is just one of those near-perfect movies. Like, there is nothing wrong with The Goonies whatsoever. Such an amazing film. Next up, we have uh, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, the third in the Mad Max uh, uh, movies. This is the one that stars um, Mel Gibson and Tina Turner, directed by George Miller, who also directed the first one, the second one. And Mad Max Fury Road. And this is the one, Gabe, where Mad Max um, finds a group of people that need help because they're kind of being controlled by a company that mines methadone. And that's where they get their power from. So he gets talked into, like, if you go kill those guys will you know help you out but it turns out that they weren't all bad they were bad but they weren't all bad and the lady who sent them down there kind of had her own anyway tina turner it's a great film it's a great film that's where we get master blaster that's where we get uh one goes in no two go in one comes out from the thunderdome fantastic film fantastic film have you seen mad Max beyond thunderdome absolutely fucking absolutely so in my in oh I mean the hierarchy for me is two three and then one because one is your backstory your intro it's almost a different genre of film like it's not yeah yeah it's more of a suspense oh no Mad Max two, two I action. think is I think Mad Max Pinnacle. two is one of yeah I think one of the greatest well films. and of course I'm talking of the originals because like Fury Road's spectacular as well I see if you if you do all four I would do Mad Max two Fury Road Thunderdome and then the first one <laughs> exactly the same. Um, but Thunderdome, like I, 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 I appreciate it because it's it's a it's that continuation you want from what's going on in two in terms of like the tone and the world and the characters. It's the next iteration, so it's it's great. And of course, the iconic the iconic lines, the quotable lines that still go today. And I love that it's it kept the same writer and director. Like, yeah, I didn't I, actually realize they were that consistent. And I think that's what helps sell it: the fact that he had a vision, and you know he maintained that vision. Like nobody didn't, nobody took over and like changed what he had. No, no. Like he told the Mad Max story. No, that's, and that's incredibly important in when you're doing multiple movies like that is to have that. If you want that, you know, kind of having the vision going in pays off. Definitely does. And God, again, like for this dude to come back 30 years later and do Fury Road. Insane. Um, Next up, we have two movies by the same writer, producer, director, who we talked about in the previous year when he did 16 Candles. We're talking about Mr. John Hughes. First, we're talking The Breakfast Club. This movie, look, I, The Breakfast Club falls into some weird reality where it's okay to love that film for how simple and perfect it is. It stars a ridiculous cast. Again, Emilio Estevez, Molly Ringwald, Judd Nelson, Ali Sheedy, Anthony Michael Hall, and Paul Gleason. This is one of those $1 million budget films that got 
fifty million. Not a lot, but enough to like put you know to allow John Hughes to keep making films. Yeah, it's it's there is nothing like to describe the Breakfast Club. There's nothing like crazy special about it, right? It's just really likable characters and really well written and really good actors to portray these characters. Yeah, it's just. It's like it's not nothing's in the stratosphere, but it's above. It's like above average in every category, and therefore that makes it stand out. It's almost like a Wes Anderson film, right? Like there's not a lot going on, but but there's so much going on at the same time. Okay, that makes sense. I don't think I can't recall. I don't think I've ever seen it. Really? Yeah. I mean, I knew of it. Right, right. Because I think I that, think one, it's that was one that I don't so think much. anybody. I don't think that's one that I've had to. I've had to sit through. That's one of those where I'm like, I think, I think. Um, I would re- I would highly recommend it again. It's, I don't know why it's not even my t- style of movie, but it just uh, John Hughes was just doing something right when he wrote. Yeah, yeah. For the, the you know for as much of a touchstone as it is. Again, I wouldn't make you write it down, but I would consider it. And the second film of Mr. Hughes is a film called Weird Science. Gabe, have you heard of Weird Science? I definitely have heard of Weird Science. Have you seen Weird Science? Or do you mean you've heard of Weird Science, but we're not specifically talking about the film? No. Well, I've heard of Weird Science and also the film Weird Science. Uh, I don't think I've seen it. This one stars Kelly LeBrock, which was, she's an 80s icon, with Anthony Michael Hall from The um, Breakfast Club, Ian uh, Mitchell Smith, and uh, again, a young, terrible older brother played by Bill Paxton. He's awesome as the bully older brother. He's so awesome. Now, there's a few things wrong with this film, okay? It is entertaining. It is watchable. The premise of the film is that these nerdy outcasts, the the, the two, uh, Michael uh, Anthony Michael Hall and Ian Michael uh, Mitchell Smith, want to be, they're tired of being bullied and they want to, you know, show off that they can, I don't know that they're cool. So, inspired by the Frankenstein, they decide to create a virtual woman using a computer, programming her with everything they conceive to make a perfect dream woman. After hooking up a doll to it and hacking into a government computer system for more power, there's an electrical power surge, and they create this perfect, beautiful, intelligent woman that somehow gave has unlimited magical powers? Question mark? It was the government computer that did that. Probably. Again, the movie has a lot of questionable things because they never actually try to have sex with it. I'm just going to put it out there. <laughs> she is so smart that she realizes that they're nerds and that they need her help. And she goes ahead and starts to make magical things happen for them to give build them... <laughs> build that confidence that was always inside of them so they could see the beauty that they had, um, even though their intent originally was to create a fuck doll. But um, You're such a nerd that your science project knows you're a nerd. Yes. You're such a nerd that you created a sex bot that you don't have sex with. <laughs> that, that refuses to have sex with you. <laughs> that refuses to have sex with you, yes. Um, yeah, no, uh Again, it's a funny movie. I remember watching it, and I haven't watched it in like 20 years, but it was funny. It, again, John Hughes was not writing something stupid or, or nasty or, or like out of taste. Like he was, he, was, he was writing good stuff. So 
Now, I do remember that there was a television show that we talked about in the 90s uh, called Weird Science that ran like that had the same premise. It was just episodic. But they did like four years. Like they did like 90 episodes of that TV show. Just going to put it out there. Oh, dude, this is a good one. Uh, I will be surprised if you've seen it or know some of the references. The Last Dragon. It sounds familiar. Okay. But, I, but I'm not sure. So, in New York City, Leroy Green has dreams of becoming a great martial artist like his idol Bruce Lee. Hence why his friends call him Bruce Leroy. And the movie is about him trying to reach that magical Zen status of a fictional what's a, a kung fu master in this world where like there's a there's a there's a martial artist bad guy named Shogun or not a Shogun named Shonuff. Um, it's a ridiculous movie, but it's so so good because it is. It was a it was a it was a, a a genre of movie that never really took off, which is black kung fu movies. I don't think they really took off, and they really treated it really well, well written, acting like it's a it's a fun movie, man. It's a fun movie. It's got really great characters, uh, quotable, like just. Overall, like uh, uh, a movie I would recommend somebody watching. Uh, a lot of uh, unknown actors, a lot of famous actors. I think Vanity was in this. She, she was a singer in the 80s. Um, but but I do have a clip to play. Okay. I don't think I've seen it, for the record, with the explanation. It does not, it does not match what I would think. And this is just a... Um, somebody did us the favor of doing a mashup of some of the bad guy's best lines. Oh boy. Oh yeah. Am I the meanest? Sure enough. Am I the prettiest? Sure enough. Am I the baddest mofo low down around this town? Sure enough. Well, who am I? Sure enough. Who am I? Sure enough. I can't hear you. Get that sucker to the designated place at the designated time. And I will gladly designate his ass for dismemberment. Kiss my converse. Sucker. That's where that comes from, actually. <laughs> it's a great film. It's such a great Spectacular. film. It is, man. Uh, I, I, uh, I, I do recommend that. The last two movies we'll talk about very quickly because they were good movies. They came out. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let me take that back. The last two movies we'll talk about. One's great. One, we just have to keep following this franchise. One is Pale Rider, directed and starring Clint Eastwood. I don't know if you've seen that one. I don't think I've seen that particular Easter. This movie. is the one where there's a, a mining town that's going through something, and Clint Eastwood's character kind of shows up. He has a he looks like a like a priest, but you know he's got a dark story. And then towards the end of the movie, you realize that it's connected to the bad guy in the film, 
and just as easily as he appeared, he disappears. And it's believed that the pale rider is a religious um, connection to, you know, like, you know, that the, the old saying. Yeah, it's revelations. Yeah, revelations. Um, but yeah, so it's one of those, you know, just a really great revenge film. You know, it's Clint Eastwood, uh, you know, just one of his American Westerns, not to be confused with the Italian Westerns that every, everybody thinks are American Westerns. Anyway, long story. Uh, good film. Really great film. Uh, he's he's just Clint Eastwood, man. Oh, God, man was amazing. I haven't done it. Remind me, before episode, the next episode, I got to do a Clint Eastwood check. Just check all the websites to make sure he's doing fine. Make sure he's still living. See how his diet's working out. Yes. <laughs> and the last movie we'll talk about is Friday the 13th, Part 5, A New Beginning. This, uh, just a very quick synopsis. In this movie, it's called A New Beginning because F- Friday the 13th, 4 was like the death of Jason. Yet somehow in Friday the 13th, 5, uh, he's back. But it's because A New Beginning is a copycat killer. So you see Jason with the with the hockey mask, but when he gets defeated and somebody takes it off, they're like, wait a minute, this is the guy from the previous movie who was inspired to become Jason. So now you have... Jason. He would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for those damn kids. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, just want to talk about uh, want to talk about that movie because in the next four or five years, we're probably going to talk about another three or four. Yeah, uh, we're, we're at the point of sunken cost fallacy where we can't stop because we put too much into it now, no matter how bad they get. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk about first appearances. We have a really, really great list of first appearances for 1985. Um, two first appearances in The Goonies, Sean Astin, who will eventually become Frodo. No, wait, uh, Sam... Oh. Sam Gamgee. Sam, Sam Gamgee. Wise Gamgee. Sam Wise Gamgee. Oh, Thank you. Among Rudy, Stranger Than... I mean, just phenomenal. Josh Brolin, the the Goonies was his first film, and now he's Cable and Thanos. I mean, so much to look forward to for this man. Which is the snap of his fingers. Just yep. I uh, look if you haven't seen uh, No Country for Old Man, he's just. Oof. I have. I had quite the experience seeing that movie, and that was a that was quite the movie. It's he's so good in that. Such a handsome man. Uh, Ethan Hawke. In the Explorers, he was like eight or nine years old in this film. It's a fun film about these kids who create or build a, a spaceship, and they actually go into space and meet aliens. It's a fun, fun film. As kids do sometimes, you know. You know, and you don't know what they're doing in that backyard. Those rascals, especially those. Give 80s them a cardboard rascals. box, dude. Eighties rascals were the worst rascals. The rascaliest rascals. Yeah, it's before the internet, guys. Um, Don Cheadle moving violations Uh, eventually he becomes uh, War Machine (laughs) among among the many other things I just that was the first thing that came to my mind War Machine that is the first thing I thought of as well I know he's done other notable things but Uh, Melissa Leo uh, do you know her at all Uh, not from the name okay so she Man, she has done a ton, a ton of things, right? Um, I remember her from uh, 21 Grams, from, what was that movie with, oh, The Fighter with uh, with uh, Christian Bale and um, and uh, Mark Wahlberg. 
one thing I remember her from watching, and I learned a lot from actually watching that, is um, The Most Hated Woman in America. Have you heard of that film? Mm-mm. She played the woman that got the the Lord's Prayer removed from schools. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> this is where the most hated woman part comes in hand. Um, but she found out that her son was being forced to recite the Lord's Prayer in school. And she launched a campaign to ban the school prayer and remove it. And it went up to the Supreme Court and everything. So she's the reason why, you know, well, not her, there's, but the person she plays. There's no animosity like religious animosity. Oh, that uh, runs deep. And uh, and there was a TV show on, on um, HBO called uh, Treme that she was really great in, too, I remember. Uh, but no, she's just a really great actress, Melissa Leo. Uh, the last person we'll talk about for first appearances because he's one of the greatest actors of all time, one of my favorite actors of all time, funny man, great, great, great individual, John Leguizamo. Uh, made his first appearance in a movie called Mixed Blood. He will go on to make one of the greatest comedies of all time called The Pest and become the co-star of just about every movie, every great movie that has come out. <laughs> I mean, that's the best way to describe him because he is not a leading actor. But look, his his but he's there. His one man stand ups, dude. Uh, freak. I think it's just called Freak. Actually, now that I think about it, you were trying to overcomplicate it. I think I was. I might have been. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. His like he started doing one man shows on Broadway. Uh, freak, uh, Sexaholics, uh, Latin History for Morons is on Netflix, which is fantastic. I'm the target audience. <laughs> he was, uh, he, oh, he, I remember, like, again, like, he's always, like, that guy in that movie. He's almost turned into that guy, like, in, he's in John Wick. He's the guy in John Wick 1 where the guy comes in with John Wick's car. Slaps him. And he, yeah, slaps, he slaps him. him. <laughs> and then the dude's dad calls him and he goes, just Why curious. Why did you slap what? my son? And he's all like, uh, he stole John Wick's car and killed his dog on his, you know, wife's, like, fucking, he's like, Oh, <laughs> just, ah, warranted. <laughs> <laughs> I see. <laughs> he is phenomenal. Everything he does, man. That man is uh, is amazing. His story about working with Steven Seagal is spectacular. That is definitely great. I mean, Summer of Sam. He was in Romeo and Juliet. Moulin Rouge. Uh, Sloth in the Ice Age franchise. Speaking of franchises, I mean... It's just uh, I remember the first movie I ever saw him in was called Hanging with the Homeboys, and it was great. I remember he was in Die Hard 2 in a lot of scenes and it had talking scenes, but after editing, he had no talking scenes and he was barely in the movie. <laughs> hey man, as long as do they have to do they still have to pay him because he had lines, I or believe, is it only if it's cut? that's a good question. Um, I remember he was in Casualties of War, which was like the the other platoon movie that didn't quite make it with uh, Michael J. Fox, uh, mm. yeah, Michael J. Fox in a in a in a Vietnam War movie didn't quite sell it. But Sean Penn was in that film, and I remember a story where Leguizamo and Sean Penn had a scene together. And Sean Penn is a method actor. I don't know if you know. Yeah. So there was a scene where he had to slap Leguizamo, and Sean Penn was like, "I'm going full method," and Leguizamo was like, "I'm in." And apparently, like after six, seven takes, like it was like, okay. This is this is not working. I'm out. Come on, basically, <laughs> and obviously he was fucking Luigi in the Super Mario Bros. movie back in '93. He was Benny Blanco in Carlito's Way. I mean, just 
such an amazing actor. Anyway, uh, first appearance, 1985. Oh, you know what he also did? He was on a two-parter of Miami Vice where he played a Colombian drug lord. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, John Leguizamo. Got it. That's such a great man. Such a great man. So, Gabe, with the minutes we have left, something old, something new. I'll go first just because I'm very excited about what I've been watching. I've been watching, I've been watching a show called Girls 5 Eva, which is hilarious. Inflation. It's got everyone. Um, not what you think. It's about a, a girl group from the early 2000s who broke up, but then get re-famous now, 20 years later. And it's it's dumb, it's stupid, but it's, it's a funny really, concept. It's really entertaining, dude. It's actually really entertaining. You only binge watch that, but that's not the exciting part. I'm I'm in on. Um, I am six episodes in on The Last of Us. It is really a great show. I'm two episodes in. It's a great show. Everybody has been talking about episode three, and I'll tell you right now, it's not an extraordinary episode, but it's a really well done episode. I don't know why everybody had been really hyping it online. So when I got to it, I had really high expectations, right? I think it's just because of the the juxtaposition of, of Ron Swanson. Well, it's that, but also it's something that other TV shows do much later on or, or more like Atlanta, where they'll do an entire episode that has nothing to do with the cast. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah, they did a separate and they tied in like at the end. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I, I know of it because yeah. I've heard all the complaints online and all the thoughts. And again, look, but, it's, uh, it's a wonderful story. It yet. It's a wonderful story. It's really well acted. I don't think it lived up to the hype. I think the show itself is phenomenal. The only problem I have is that every time I see a post-apocalyptic world, I feel like I only have the reference of like The Walking Dead. And it all kind of looks like The Walking Dead now. Now, I know that this is based on the TV show and a lot of it looks like a TV show. Like, looks like, I mean, I'm sorry, this is based on a video game and a lot of it looks like a, like a, like the video game. Some of it's shot for shot. Like, they apparently did a really good job. I, I never played the game. So when I look at it, I'm like... Neither did I. <laughs> when I look at it, I'm like, this is Walking Dead, right? I mean, it's just... Um, and the, the, the only difference I notice here is that they do, and I guess because it's based on a, on a video game, you kind of move on from what's happening while on the walking dead, right? They'll do a whole season about a community that gets found here. It's like two episodes. <laughs> okay. Bye. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The walking dead perhaps stretched out a bit too far in some cases. Cause they lost me when they were in the, in the jail. Like I it was like season three or something. And I was like, this is so boring. So my problem with the walking dead is that I read the comic. And that was like comic issue 10. <laughs> yeah. They, they stretched it out on the TV show like so much, which is kind of a bit weird when they had so much source material. Quite a, Look, I'm telling you, like, see, the season two finale happened on the sixth issue of the comic book. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, no, I, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. I think there's seven or eight episodes, right? I th- yeah, I think something like so that. I think I'm like an episode or two behind uh, from finishing it. But it, it was good. Uh, Pedro Pascal is just, I mean, that dude is on fire, man. Like, he's he, the king right he now. He is having, yeah. For sure. He's, he's ha- and, and I mean, Mandalorian comes out today? Yeah, today. Happy Mandalorian Day. Happy Mandalorian Day to you too, Gabe. Uh, but that's my, that's my only old something new. What do you got? Uh, I finished uh, Bloodsport. And? Spectacular. That's pinnacle. It's pinnacle 80s. Um, I love it. Like I said, when I was watching it, we were at the point where like, I was right before 
his buddy fought. And I was like, he's either, he either dies or gets hospitalized. I don't know how dark they're going to go because obviously he has to be defeated and it has to be hurtful enough that it's a motivating factor. And, uh, and yep. Exactly. So, so it, it, I mean, you know, it, it lived up to the hype. It was great. I, uh, and I, I, I watched, uh, uh, I've been watching some Bojack Horseman. I've been progressing oh, okay. in that again. Interesting. Which, um, I was like, I don't know, like three seasons in, I, I got another season out of the way or something. So I'm, I'm getting close to being done with that, I think. Um, but it's, uh, that's a show that like, first of all, it, Arnett's hilarious. Like Will Arnett's funny everywhere. So yep. it's great. It's got great, it's got great characters, but like, because some of it is so accurate to reality, like sometimes I got to like take a break because sometimes it's just too real. Like I know they're portraying things in a humorous way, but they do a good job of portraying. Like the episode, like the episode that hit me really hard was the episode with his internal monologue. I, I haven't seen you, it. You, I haven't seen it. Okay, so there's an episode. They they get a lot of praise for how they portrayed mental illness, okay. and mental struggles, uh, because they don't sugarcoat it and they they give you like uh, they translate it accurately to like a watchable experience. So there's an episode where he you get the, like the perspective of his internal monologue throughout, and like so like. Up to this point, he's kind of like a he's a piece of shit. The main character, like he's he's a jerk. Okay. Um, he got famous early on in some TV show, and then he's been living off. He's got money. He's got, but he's like a piece of shit to everybody. <laughs> Still, <laughs> like he can't, you know, he can't stop. And he wants, he cares about his legacy, but like he won't put in the work. But like anyway, but he's got this internal monologue, and as he has things going on, he's like telling himself, "Don't do that. Don't be that guy. Don't do this thing." And he does the bad thing, and then he beats himself up internally for it. And is like, "Ah, you're a piece of shit, and you, you're terrible. You're just gonna make things worse." And I was like, "Man, like I've had periods in my life where like negative thought, like that portrayed negative thought patterns, like super well. Like it hit real close to home in terms of how like accurate it felt in terms of how that's a struggle that people can have, even when like you think like, "Wow, this guy's a real jerk." Like he's having people can still be like in their mind being like don't do that don't be that guy don't do the thing do the thing then beat themselves up for doing the thing and it's a cycle i was like man i don't think i've seen that portrayed in television like or specifically a cartoon <laughs> i was like Oof, that fucking hurts <laughs> so like we're in a much better place now but like that is a thing that i could identify with oh interesting so, i never got yeah. into that show but uh you know it's just so weird like i mean i i don't think they ever really bother to explain why there's like animal people hybrid like just kind of and like there's no rhyme or reason to how they intermingle and relate like it's just it's i mean it's kind of funny just because there's this obvious diversion from reality that they never bother to like address it's just how it is and like stuff happens in the movie like i think at some point the they mess up the hollywood sign and instead of get, getting fixed or things getting resolved they continually just uh they start referring to it as hollywood <laughs> that's what they call it for the rest of the show that happens in like season one and it's just hollywood all the shows adapt they call it like hollywood stars like the hollywood oh, reporter like funny. they just go with it they just nobody ever fucking corrects or changes it's hollywood now that's funny it's funny it's funny that's very funny <laughs> um all right but yeah that's been it's been my 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 media consumption that's awesome week. that's awesome uh all right uh that is it for today thank you for listening remember find us at Pop Culture Hangfire. And uh, we will talk all to all of you again and to you, at you, next week. Uh, uh, just very quick hello to my buddy Portal because I know he's listening. Faithful listener. Hey, buddy. How's it going? See you next week. <laughs>